we can go anywhere and we can apply, you know, our, our previous work to, to anything new reminds me kind of through their eyes over and over again to not let myself feel stuck or tied to a particular path just because that's the groove that's been dug thus far. It can take extra energy to move into a new space, but it's often really well worth it. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I have a special guest co-host with me today. You've heard his voice in the podcast before from when he attended the Slate conference and introduced um, some guests there, but it's Mike Jones. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks, Tiffany. Glad to be here. We love it when our podcast guests are connected to each other and can refer one another to the podcast. And that's exactly what happened today. Whitney Kilgore actually gave us her name, the connection between Engagely and iDesign where these two professionals connect. We are so excited to welcome to the podcast today, Adrina Parisi-Aman. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Andrina Parisi-Aman, Vice President of Learning and Teaching at Engagely, has over 15 years of leadership experience in academia and industry, building partnerships, doing research, creating curriculum, teaching, developing teams, and innovating. Andrina also serves as VP of Programs for Miss CEO and formerly served as the Head of Teaching and Learning for Coursera. She earned a PhD in Bioengineering from Stanford University. To complement an already impressive professional summary, we haven't even mentioned her fluency in English, Spanish, and Italian. Our favorite brief description of Andrina is actually found on her Twitter profile page. It reads, cool mom, passionate teacher, Empathetic friend, curious scientist, adventurous traveler, learning and teaching team at Engagely. Join us in welcoming Andrina Parisi Aman to the Digital to Learn podcast. Thank you. And you're right, Whitney is awesome. And I have been really thankful to get to work with her for a connection between Engagely and, and iDesign and, and appreciate her recommending me here and for you all inviting me to join you. Yeah. Well, I mean, as soon as she shared your name and we did some digging, which we've talked about a little before the podcast recording started, I discovered some things about your professional history that I was just oh, so impressed with and excited to learn more. And then Mike discovered some things as we shared about your athleticism uh, on the <laughs> side, which was uh, exciting to hear about too. Some of the things you're involved with there. So we're excited we're actually going to get to start with some get to know you questions. I think Mike's going to kick it off. Absolutely. You know, I love our networks. And in this age of pandemic, it's really interesting to see how we continue to build our network. So thank you to Whitney for sharing her network. Mm -hmm. So our first question right off the bat is to tell us a little bit about your favorite travel destination. Oh, this is a really tough one for me. And it's funny because at the before the podcast, we were talking about triathlons and one of my favorites was one that I did in Thailand. And so really mm. that just goes to how much I love exploring new places and there's always an adventure to be had. But if I had to pick one place where I most want to return, and I'll be honest, I can't 
really pick just one. I'm going to cheat and pick two, but I'll be quick. <laughs> there are two small towns. So one is Chichiribichi, Venezuela, and the other is mm. Pasadena, Italy. Mm. And so these are both little towns where I got to spend my summers growing up with extended family. So my mom's family in Venezuela, oh. Venezuela, my dad's in Italy, each with their own specific charms. Won't get into any of those details, but both really showing me where I came from and allowing me to experience different cultures and ways of living from the inside. Oh, that's awesome. Amazing. And how, I mean, are you ever tempted, like, honestly, to just make the move, make it a full-time, <laughs> uh, you thing, know, not just I, a visit? Yes, I have. I have in fact been tempted. You know, Venezuela is in a really tricky spot right now. Yes, um, that's true. So that has kind of shifted things, but I, but I did actually, and my guesses we'll get into some of this later, but I did actually spend a year in Italy between oh. undergrad and graduate school living there. And that was very much based on on those summers and wanting an opportunity to not just vacation, but see what it was like to to fully call it home. Um, yeah. And it was an, an awesome year. That's cool. Connecting, I think, with our with our roots mm-hmm. like that. There's something about that. I know when we first did Ancestry DNA, my wife and I, I kind of knew from just having it confirmed and all of a sudden you start to see things that you wouldn't normally see, you know, the, the different facial structures and stuff like that. It's like, Oh, and you resonate with different shows now. Yeah. You watch a show and it's based in Ireland and I'm like, Oh, this is more interesting than it ever was before. So that's kind of <laughs> those cool yeah. journeys we get to take. Yeah. And I think for me, I think there's also really something about this sense of like, what does it mean to be, home and Hmm. having family in different places. And even if I hadn't seen them for a year or two years, right, that we were still family and I was still Mm -hmm. coming home to some extent, that community and acceptance, I think is, is another piece that then I've taken into my life in different ways. That's, that has been really valuable. Well, this conversation may actually lend to the second question we have for you or may not, um, but a favorite holiday tradition that you could share. Yeah, well, as will quickly become a parent, um, family is really important to me. And so, like you said, that does that does really connect. And this maybe is somewhat recency bias as we just did it. But uh, in terms of building memories together, one of my favorite traditions is one that my husband and I started with just like our nuclear family when we moved to Boston a little over four years ago. Um, We were pregnant with our first child and we started going out to a family farm right outside of Boston in Bill Ricca to pick out our Christmas tree, you know, mounting it on the car, hot apple cider and and donuts before decorating it all together. And so then throughout the holiday season, as holiday cards arrive, adding those just into the tree as well. So seeing our, our friends and family spread around the world, but kind of in our home. And as our family and our kids are are growing, it's fun to see how they each add their personal touches to that. Yeah. So this year it's in the clump of ornaments that are right at the like yes. three feet off the ground <laughs> level versus the more normally spread ones um, that we have in different spots of the tree. But it's fun to have this that is consistent each year, but is, is also growing as our family grows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Oh, those memories are amazing to be able to go back to and mm-hmm. connect with. You know, we have a tradition of making ornaments with Sculpey. And so every year when we put the ornaments on the tree, we go through the story of what was happening that year. So I just totally the same type of thing, that. you know, wrapping your arms around the memories that have mm-hmm. come each year and you forget them too easily. 
So mm -hmm. speaking of memory, perfect transition. So share with us, you know, you've had an interesting journey and we're going to get into more of that a little bit later, but share with us one of your favorite teaching memories or moments. Oh, these are fun, but I would not say easy questions that you're warming me up with. <laughs> uh, yeah, as I think through, you know, I would say all of my favorite teaching moments are really tied up in the kind of aha learning moment for, for my students. When I get to glimpse that spark in their eye is whatever we're talking about or the concept really, really clicks. And so I think if I had to pick one, and I won't cheat this time, I would probably go back to one of my oldest sort of official teaching experiences. And I used to teach the rocket unit to fourth graders at a summer engineering camp at Carnegie Mellon University. And so I would teach them about combustion and you could see them starting to get excited about <laughs> making their rockets and how they would fly. But really the kind of glee that came when it all came together and they saw in action that, that the rockets the model rockets that they created were each launching and how far they were going and where they were going. Oh, was just so fun pure joy for everyone, for them, and then chasing after their rockets. And for those of us that, that had been working with them, and it's always such a great reminder that it's really that sort of smallest spark that can yeah. create such a big impact into to what they do next. Uh, so very cool. I think watching iterative projects like that, especially in education where mm -hmm. they don't quite understand why they're doing this little piece and this little piece and this little piece. But then mm -hmm. when you're able to bring that together, what a learning explosion that is. And then doing it a second time now, because they know what's, oh, I need to improve <laughs> this or do that. That's a really cool learning experience. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we love, as you can tell, learning about the way people navigate their lives and their careers. So would you mind sharing the journey that led to where you are today as we transition to more of the serious questions of the day? Yeah, absolutely. So as you know, maybe comes out in, in some of those early stories. Um, I've always really loved and thrived on problem solving and in particular for others. And so um, at an early age that took root through teaching. So how to solve the problem, if you will, of unlocking a concept for someone so that they can really build from it or, or you know, once they have that understanding where they can take it. And really education has always been an important pillar in my life and a uh, demonstrated way to open doors. So in my own home, as we talked to, you know, before my parents are from South America and, and Italy, and I saw that it, impact of education directly mm -hmm. at home. So it was my mom's PhD studies and then her subsequent career as a professor that brought our family to the U.S. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, my dad and some of our extended family who didn't even have the opportunity to to finish up high school. And so mm -hmm. the impact that that had on doors that it opened for us and where it took us, um, but also challenges. Um, and so I think from each of their experiences that two made education really my primary responsibility growing up. Mm. And then as the first in my family to, to go to undergrad in the U.S., I found that we approach things a little bit differently. And so even though <laughs> my mom was in higher ed, when right. it came time to apply and decide where to go to college, where a lot of my friends were going on these college tours as juniors, trying to see, you know, where they wanted to go and which campus felt like home. For me, it was about, you know, what were the, the programs that were available in, in what I wanted mm. to study? It was first about 
that program, like what could I learn? And then about the place. Mm. And so it wasn't until the acceptances came in that I visited mm. a handful of places. And that led me to, to finding my undergraduate home at Duke and really continuing mm. that problem solving path, this time towards becoming a biomedical engineer. So I was combining engineering and, and really traditional problem solving with medicine. And so how to do that in, in the body. But it was funny in that as I was getting ready to go visit Duke for the first time, one of my friends was like, oh, are you going to get to go see a basketball game while you're there? And I'm like, why would I see a basketball game while I'm there? <laughs> um, so it shows that we wonderful. have a little bit of a different mindset in terms of, of what the college experience was or, or where I was going. But it was always kind of first and foremost, right, is, is yeah. what are the, the opportunities and how to apply that through learning and the education that's possible. You know, during yeah. my time there, my interest in teaching and, and kind of opening learning doors for always others was always a theme, whether it was in my formal education or being a TA or, or stuff like that, or, or ways that I spent time outside the classroom in terms of mentoring and in some of the local schools. And I, I actually almost accepted a job as an eighth grade math teacher right out of undergrad, but then ended up deciding oh, wow. to, to take the leap. And, and as we touched upon for just a minute, decided to live in Italy for a year, which is something that I had always dreamed about spending some summers there. So while I was there, when I was in Italy, I worked for that year, actually the health and safety office for locomotive company, Bombardier Transportation. So totally out of left field, something really new, but had the opportunity to be there and made some really good friends and just wanted to try it. And then it was there, it was during that year that I decided to go back to school for my PhD was thinking of a more mm. kind of traditional research and, and teaching higher ed path. But as you know, that's not quite where I ended up. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, and I won't get into like all of the different details. I'm sure we'll, we'll get into those more. But as I was completing my doctoral work, I was really excited about how and where different forms of education were, were taking place and really going back to this idea of opening doors for more people. Mm-hmm. And so I had the opportunity to meet Daphne Fowler and Andrew Ng um, and see mm-hmm. in person their passion and their vision for what they were building at Coursera. And I knew I wanted to be a part of, of making that successful. And then, you know, from there, I, I ended up spending about five years there, moved back into the K-12 space for a few years here in Massachusetts. And mm-hmm. now I'm really excited to be at another really innovative and impactful startup. So leading learning and teaching at Engagement. <sighs> Such a rich career path with so many twists and turns, but they're really not as random as, you know, if you're reading this on paper, it can seem, oh, not, random's not the right word, but even somewhat disconnected, but it's not at all. And that's when I'm really excited for people to kind of hear your heart and passion and how it was all very fluid from one step to the next. But one thing I am curious about is courage. So even with the pandemic, most of these choices, these decisions that you made were before the pandemic, but right now we're finding ourselves in a place in higher ed or with the great resignation or what, whatever you want to say, where people are, they have questions about their livelihood in the workplace and you know, what the market looks like for them. If you're a faculty member, it's how is my role changing? What's expected of me now? And is this what I'll be doing forever? I mean, there's so many questions, but you've been able to ch- 
channel so much courage to move from, you know, one discipline to another higher ed to more ed tech, just any secrets or, you know, how do you do it? Yeah, that is an awesome question. And I, I really want to thank you, not just for the question, but how you phrased it, because honestly, until I was reflecting on it, I hadn't really thought of those decisions as specifically courageous. Um, And so it wasn't until I was kind of looking back and being like, oh yeah, that did make me a little bit nervous, but I (laughs) did still do it. And that is exactly what I teach my son courage means (laughs) that that I, that I put that together. And so, you know, I was, I was trying to thinking, thinking about how did that come to be? And I would say in each of these key decisions, I think there was always a bit of pulling internally or this kind of like voice inside of my head that felt like something wasn't quite right Mm -hmm. with a particular path, whether it Mm -hmm. was, you know, when I was thinking about going into teaching right out of college or when I was thinking about, you know, applying for academic roles right as my PhD was wrapping up or even staying in current roles where I was comfortable versus versus moving to something different. And those were each objectively reasonable and and good paths. And in many cases, I would say even kind of the expected path. There was something that didn't sit quite right until I landed on the decision that that actually brought me, you know, sort of some peace and some excitement and really distinctly a challenge, something that was going to be different or new. So instead of, you know, teaching, I moved to Italy instead of research, I jumped into a startup. And so usually when that new path felt right, there was the sense of calm, but that was really interestingly coupled with an intense set of nerves where there was this (laughs) unanswered question of like, am I capable of this? Can I do this? Mm. But it was really firmly nestled next to this like resounding yes to the question of, do I, do I want to do this? Yeah. And I think that's where a trust in kind of the ability to learn that I got through my upbringing mm. and really candidly, the privilege of having had like caring and wonderful educators and educational yeah. opportunities throughout my life played and continues to play a, a really huge role. Cause even where mm-hmm. I was nervous or scared or have doubted that I had the exact skills needed in that moment for this new adventure I was taking on. I never really doubted that I could learn those needed skills or, or figure it out or take something that I had done previously and, and applied it. Right. So moving from bench science research into a startup, but it was in the higher ed space. And so there was a lot that you learn about, you know, experimenting and trying something new and then looking at the data and understanding what it tells you that did actually fit really well and was super valuable in my role at Coursera, but initially or on paper, you know, might not have, have seen that way. So anyway, it does all kind of pull together in that way. And I guess if we have a moment and kind of an anecdote, but that kind of connects in that just popped to mind is, you know, while I was at Stanford, one of the things that I was doing both as a, as a PhD student and then kind of throughout different things, always tried to 
be involved in a variety of different areas so that, you know, I'm getting Mm -hmm. energy from different things that then I can put into others. And so one of the ways in which I urged myself to just, I like signed up for this event. It was like a Saturday lunchtime thing. I'm like, do I really want to go to this? But whatever I had, I was like in this moment of like, I'm going to say yes to different things to like try it out and get out of my bubble. And at that, I met Nina Sinkasho, who's the founder of Miss CEO, and she was just getting started. Yeah. And together we built out what is now our, our flagship summer leadership academy. So leadership training for young women focusing in the high school space, really wanted to build an opportunity for them to learn early on what she and I and so many of our friends and colleagues and, and Tiffany, I'm sure you've had some of this, have had mm-hmm. to like unlearn and then relearn in the workplace about being in leadership roles as as a woman and (laughs) connecting them with women from all different backgrounds and types of careers so that they could see what is available to them and Mm -hmm. what they're capable of and so you know each summer and then as we've expanded to other programs seeing kind of their eyes open and their excitement build up to like oh I can have that as a dream or there are all of these different ways in which I don't have to know what my path is going to be because now Mm -hmm. I'm hearing these other people tell me that they like tried this thing and it didn't work. And then they went to there. So just this idea that, Mm -hmm. that we can go anywhere and we can apply, you know, our, our previous work to, to anything new reminds me kind of through their eyes over and over again, to not let myself feel stuck or tied to a particular path, just because that's the groove that's been dug thus far. It can take, extra energy to move into a new space, but it's often really well worth it. Hopefully that explains it a little bit. <laughs> well, I don't want to lie, but I am, I'm willing to, if it means I can attend the high school leadership <laughs> <laughs> training academy. <laughs> I, think, I think we can have you come in as, as a, a featured speaker, which would be much more appropriate. And then you two can also get the, really their energy at the high school level is one that I often feed off of. Although if we're being yeah. totally honest, they are also sometimes a little scary to get in front of. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I can I imagine. That's a courageous part, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. Every time yeah. I, I, you know, have to re-up my courage to get in front of a, a bunch of high school young women, but um, they make it well worth it. I heard you say earlier, there's things or opportunities that you could do, but then you question if you want to. And then there's things that you opportunities that you want to do, but you question if you can at least momentarily question and you tend to lean into that second grouping. I think that's a really good illustration of courage too. And something that I know will challenge me and hopefully our listeners too, is there are plenty of things that we can do. And there's definitely comfort in that, but we're really, really honest with ourselves. Do we want to, but then there's things that just fuel us up and and we know we'll experience flow in it and be energized by the challenge of it. But can we? Yes, we can. <laughs> I think that's where you have yes, to take that, that courageous step. So absolutely. And I think so often courage or courageous things done are only in retrospect. Sometimes in the mm. moment, we don't realize what we're doing is courageous. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's culturally relevant, right? So when you think about making equitable classrooms, uh, it might just be a courageous move to say, if I'm showing a video, have subtitles on for someone that's hard of hearing, you know, that does seems very simple. It doesn't seem very courageous, but when those little things add up, 
that those are courageous moves. So I'm so glad to hear you're working in that space. Uh, Andrina, I know for me, having mentors in my life has been huge because it just, you do, it's different when you come out of school and then transition to the workplace. I remember when I finished my grad degree, I almost felt a little depressed because I had been so used to instant feedback cycles from other students (laughs) and my faculty. It was real easy to fall out of a habit of writing scripts or a habit of this or that, and to continue to search for those networks and those relationships. So, so happy to hear you're involved in that organization and helping young ladies to find that space in that place and then have continual encouragement to explore and don't just accept the job because you're in it continue to search for those things that's really cool to hear well we hate to press pause but that's what we're going to do we'll be back next week with part two with adrena from engagely so join us next week thank you for joining us on digital to learn if you enjoyed this podcast there are three things we ask you to do one come back and join us again two tell your friends about us and three give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.